0: Good morning and welcome to the broadcast pastor jeff shreve here filling in on the second hour for dan celia and we're so glad that you have joined us today In the first hour we talked to rick eldridge movie producer and the movie that is coming out called the mulligan and a great movie a great opportunity to use as a witnessing tool and bring unsaved uh, friends and neighbors and loved ones hey come to this movie with me it's going to be out uh April 18th and 19th, right after Easter, and uh, such a great opportunity for us to to share the gospel with people in a creative way. You know, when it comes to being a Christian, there's really only one reason for being on this earth. I I remember when I was in college, I was witnessing to this guy in the weight room, and we were lifting weights together. His name was Aaron. He was a Jewish guy, and I was talking to him about the Lord, and he said to me, if heaven is so great— then why doesn't God just take you there uh, when, when you receive Christ? He said, that seems like that would be uh, the, the very best. And I said, well, Aaron, God has left me on this earth to talk to you, to talk to people just like you. And that's exactly what Jesus said before he ascended to heaven, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You remember the disciples said, Lord, is it this time you're restoring uh, the, the kingdom to Israel? He said, it's not for you to know times and epochs which the Father has uh, fixed by his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth." You shall be my witnesses. That's why we're here on this earth, to witness for the Lord, to, to point people to Jesus. And I like to use those two words: shine and share. We two parts of witnessing. It's your life and then your lips. Shine is your life. Let your light so shine among men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, who is in heaven, and share. Open your mouth and tell what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. You know, we share the gospel, that's his story, and then we share our story, how our lives connected with the gospel, how our story connected with his story to give us a story, to give us a testimony, and we're like the Gadarene demoniac. We can go everywhere and share what great things the Lord has done for us and how he had mercy on us. And we need to take seriously the command from the Lord to be his witnesses. See, every Christian is a witness. And the question is not, are you a witness? The question is, what kind of a witness are you? Are you a good witness for the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you evidence that his His grace has really touched your life? Or are you a, a bad witness? Are you somebody that people look at and say yeah i don't i don't whatever that guy has, whatever that lady has, I don't want it because they're very self righteous they're very judgmental, they're very critical, they're very uh, mean, and uh, they they talk out of both sides of their mouths, and their lives don't match up. you know the walk doesn't match the talk, and so when we have a situation like that, we really hurt the cause of Christ. But uh, I love what it says about the apostles early on uh, when they were arrested by the Sanhedrin and they were so bold before the Sanhedrin. Peter, who denied three times that he even knew Christ, when the little slave girl said, you're one of his disciples, he said, I am not. And he cursed and swore, I I don't even know the man. Uh, Now he stands up before Caiaphas and Annas and all the the usual suspects from the Sanhedrin and he calls them out. He said... uh, you crucified God's Messiah. And as he is speaking to them, Acts chapter 4, it says, And they recognized, when they saw that Peter and John were uneducated and untrained men, it says they recognized them as having been with Jesus. As we spend time with the Lord Jesus, people notice. Why? Because the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him goes forth in every place we go. You know, Um, I was watching a a video the other day about the closing of the Nabisco uh, Corporation and uh, the plant that made cookies and cakes and and pies and all that stuff that they made. Uh, The residents there at that Nabisco plant, they said when they closed this down, it was such a sad day because they said, we loved to drive past this place because it smelled so good. Uh, Just all the all the sweetness uh, just came out of that plant as they were baking the cookies and cakes and uh, all those things. And so um, we can be like that. And we can, uh, we can be a sweet aroma as God's power comes through our lives and God makes a difference in our lives as we, uh, as we walk with Him. And so what a privilege. You know, it's, it's not a penalty to walk with a king, it's a privilege to walk with the King of kings and Lord of lords. It's a privilege to be his witness on this earth and witness to our family and witness to our friends and, and not cram things down their throat, but we, we live it out, we walk it out before them, and people notice how you act and they notice how you react. And uh, you know we can control how we act a lot better than we can control how we react. As my pastor used to say, your life is like a tube of toothpaste. And when you get squeezed, when the pressures of life come and you get squeezed, out comes what's inside. And you can't fake that. You can't, uh, you, you can't script that. So you get cut off in traffic. Uh, what comes out is what's inside. And when sweetness comes out, then you know, hey, I'm walking with Jesus and he's really filling my life. Because when I get jostled, what comes out is not me. What comes out is the Lord. People take notice of that. Now, remember this, too. People may not uh, tell you that they're watching you. You, you, you. you let people know that you're a Christian at work or at school or uh, in the neighborhood. They may not uh, say, okay, well, we're going to watch you, but they will watch you. You know, when the Bible says all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, the word persecution literally means to pursue. And they're going to come after you and they're going to watch what you're doing because they're going to want to pounce on you if you're not genuine and if you're not consistent. Now, I'm convinced that people will watch us. And there's, it, they kind of have uh, two sides going on as they watch us. There's a part of them that wants us to fail so that they can say, see, I told you Christianity is not true. Christianity's just a bunch of bunk. And so there's a part of them that wants that because then that kind of lets them off the hook, so to speak. It's like, well, I checked this out. It's, it's not genuine. It's not real. But then there's also a part of them that says, I want this to be real. I need for there to be something out there that's real, that could really change my life, that could really give me uh, peace and joy, because lost people don't have that. Listen, you can know beyond any shadow of any doubt that every person you meet who doesn't know Jesus Christ, that person does not have peace. The scripture says in the book of Isaiah, there is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. They may, lost people may have lots of money, they may have lots of fame, they may have lots of friends, they may have a big house and cars and lands and all boats, all this stuff, but they don't have peace because peace comes from God and peace comes from being right with God and peace comes when the Prince of Peace is seated on the throne of your heart and when he is in control, then there is peace and peace communicates to people, and people desperately want that. I still remember an interview I saw years ago with Oprah Winfrey, Oprah Winfrey, and Richard Dreyfus and uh, she was talking to him about all his successes, and she said, "But there's one thing that you really seek and and want." Richard isn't there, and he said, "Yes," and he said, "That is peace," and so uh, he he just admitted it. I need peace. And he tried to find it in drugs and alcohol and all the different things, fame and fortune. You can't find it there. That comes from Jesus. And Jesus is our peace. And we can have, as believers, we have access to the Lord to let him control us and sit on the throne of our lives so we can experience his peace. And we can be his witnesses and the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him can go forth every place we go. What a witness and what a testimony. And let me just say this, the way that people see Christ in you and Christ in me, the Bible makes it clear as Paul had his thorn in the flesh and he wanted the Lord to take it away. And God said, no, I'm not going to take that away. My grace is sufficient for you for power. My power is perfected in your weakness. And so when Paul understood that, okay, this is, God is using this thorn in my flesh. He doesn't tell us what it is. He just says he had this. And it, a thorn is not like a thorn from a, a rose bush. He's talking about a stake. Think of a spear that was uh, thrust inside of him. This is, this is major, major. But he said, God is using this to show his power in my life. And uh, he said, most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Now, if our reason for being on this earth is to be his witnesses, that's our only purpose for being, then we need to just accept the things that come into our lives, the things that we can't change, the things that we don't like, physical disabilities or... uh, issues in, in, uh, in, that can't be changed in our lives. We can fight against those. We can get bitter about those, or the, the thorns in the flesh that come, or we can just say, all right, Lord, I choose to trust you. Uh, all of us have stories of bad things that have happened to us, people doing things to us that, that hurt us and wounded us. And the the wrong response is to get bitter. The wrong response is is to say with Job's wife, I'm going to curse God and die. The right response is to say, all right, Lord, I'm going to trust you. This doesn't make sense to me, but my purpose for being on this earth is to be your witness and to shine and to share. And I can't do that if I'm bitter. I can't do that if I'm fighting you. I can't do that if I don't see that your grace is sufficient for me. And it says is, present tense, my grace is sufficient for you. It's not that it was sufficient. It's not that it will be sufficient. It is sufficient right now. One of my favorite uh, people in all the world, I don't know her well, but I've met her on a couple of occasions, is Johnny Erickson Tata. And Johnny Erickson is somebody, uh, quadriplegic in a wheelchair, uh, she's been in the wheelchair for over 50 years. Every day is a struggle. She told me, Jeff, every day I have to choose joy. Every day I have to depend upon the Lord uh, because she is weak and she has learned that His grace is sufficient for her. I don't think there is uh, another person on the planet that's any better at being a witness for Jesus Christ than Johnny Erickson Tata, because her life is such that people look at that and unbelievers look at that and say, how in the world does this lady have joy? How in the world does this lady have peace? How in the world is this lady not mad at God and mad at the world being a quadriplegic in a wheelchair since the time she was 17? The answer is she gets power from the grace of God. And the Lord Jesus lives inside her heart by his spirit. The Lord Jesus sits on the throne of her life as she yields every day to him. And God gives her strength to handle the difficulties of life. And she has this thorn in the flesh. She would love to have it taken away, but God has chosen not to do that. And I have said before in a sermon, if you think about it, when she at 17 was praying, God, heal me from this, uh, this situation with my broken neck. Heal me. Lord, you'd get all the glory if you just healed me. And God would get glory if he healed her. But you know what? If the Lord had healed her so many years ago when she was 17 years old, probably none of us would know who she was. But because he didn't heal her, because he chose to say, no, I'm going to use this to show my power, So many people around the world know who Johnny Erickson Tata is, and she has touched so many millions of lives through her weakness. She is a great witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. God wants to use you. He wants to use me to witness for the King and to point the way to Jesus. So we are talking about the witness God wants us to be, and we're going to have a special guest in the studio in this next segment. Don't go away.
1: Judy Goodell and her husband set up a charitable gift annuity through the AFA Foundation.
2: What we love about it is that it represents stewardship principles that we feel strongly about. So we got very, very excited
3: about this opportunity.
1: With a charitable gift annuity through the AFA Foundation, an AFA supporter can guarantee a permanent monthly income, as well as supporting the American Family Association for years to come.
3: We do feel convicted about really praying about
2: all that God has really blessed us with. And so many people we know just want to leave it all to their kids. And we know the danger of that. And so... We just are really just trying to pray through it. And God gave us
3: great confirmation as we prayed
2: that this would be a good use of the Lord's money.
1: Find out if a charitable gift annuity is right for you at 800-326-4543, extension 345, or email foundation at afa.net. For many Christians, the end times can be a confusing and hard to understand topic. When the world finally comes to an end, how will the events unfold? This week on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress provides an overview of the end times and explains what will happen during the rapture.
0: Join us this week for Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress.
1: Weekday mornings at 6 central on American Family Radio. Washington Watch advances a culture where human life is valued and religious liberty thrives. Hello, this is Tony Perkins, host of Washington Watch, right here on the American Family Radio Network, inviting you to join us each weekend for the weekend edition of Washington Watch for the latest from our nation's capital on what is happening as it pertains to faith, family, and freedom. You'll hear from policymakers, congressional
3: leaders, and others each day, 4 p.m. Central Time. Be there. Paul writes, when one part of the body suffers, we suffer together. This is Bible League International, and here's a very startling statistic. Every five minutes outside of America, a Christian is killed simply because they believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Let me give you some perspective. By the end of the average hour-long worship service in America on a Sunday, 12 Christians will die, again, simply because of their faith. Now listen, persecution is arguably the top issue facing the global church today. I'm not saying that death is affiliated with every. Every case of persecution, but if Bible League, we know Christians who are singled out, targeted, monitored, threatened with death, even killed simply because of their faith. Listen, we can do something about it by sending exactly what they're praying for to persevere and endure. And that's God's word at $5 a Bible, $100 sends 20. Would you pray about it and then make your most generous gift by calling 800-YES-WORD? 800 S W O R D, Or give at SendBiblesNow.org. SendBiblesNow.org. And God bless you for Carrie.-
0: Hi, and welcome back to the broadcast. Pastor Jeff Shreve here, pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas. I wanted to read to you from Psalm 100. It says, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Now, one of the ways that we can be a witness for the Lord in our world is to be a person who praises the Lord, who is joyful in our worship and in our walk with Jesus. One of the great things about the Christian life is it's a walk of joy. The Lord gives us peace. He gives us joy. He gives us love. That's the fruit of the Spirit, just three of the nine different characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. Well, we are very pleased today to welcome to the studio a guitar legend, uh, released more than 55 albums over his career, a seven-time uh, a Dove Award winner, and that is the great Phil Keggy. Phil, welcome to the broadcast.
2: Hi. Great to be with you, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. And good morning to all.
0: Yes. Uh, I got to say this, because it's just so funny. So Phil and I just met just a minute ago, because mm-hmm. he was uh, we were here in Nashville, and he got caught in some traffic. But uh, mm-hmm. so... My name is Jeff Shreve. Uh-huh. And everyone when they get my name wrong, they always call me Steve. It is so funny. <laughs> so and my wife's name is Debbie, and people always call her when they get her name wrong, they call her Diane. So we We kinda go we say, Well, we're we're Jeff and Debbie or Steve and Diane, whichever one works. But uh <laughs> anyway, that's just kind of funny. But Phil, it is great to have you. Mm-hmm. We have Two mutual friends, mm-hmm. D- Doyle Dykes, yes, mm-hmm. guitar sensation Doyle Dykes. Oh, incredible! And Mark Lanier. Mm. And I know that you and Mark have been friends for a good while and good long time. Yeah. So I wanted it, it is an honor to get to meet you. When I was in Thank college, you. people were talking about the second chapter of Acts and Phil Kegi I had a guitar player, uh, Jerry Evans, who was uh, my roommate, and he loved. You and and Matthew Ward and Larry Norman and some of the the greats from back in the day and mm-hmm. um, but I was reading a little bit about your story and I mm-hmm. wanted you to share that a little bit with our okay. listeners today. So, uh, growing up, how did you come to know Christ?
2: Well, I was raised in a you know a Catholic family. I was one of ten kids. I'm the ninth of ten kids, and. Uh, um, mom was primarily the one that was encouraging us to be you know praying to god and go to church and things like that um and so i kind of i grew up with a pretty sensitive conscience i think um i wasn't an outrageous uh i mean i was a sinner and but the thing is i wasn't you know, looking to do bad things. I always wanted to be a good kid. You know, right. um, we moved around a lot because my dad, uh, his his line of work was ironworking and bridge building, and you know, he was a, a connector and um, in high rise buildings. You know, iron man, and so so he liked the the West Coast for the winter time. So we'd go from Ohio over to California. So he could work in the winter comfortably because it's so cold, you know, especially as he was getting older. And by the time I was born, my dad was actually, and mom were both grandparents. So so I I was born an uncle. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, so I, I had to change schools a lot, you know, as a kid. And so I think what happened was um, it just made me, you know, drew me further into music and the guitar. And so... I picked up the guitar when I was 10, 11 or so and I played first time in, in front of people when I was in the 5th grade and and uh and then from there I just got into another band and then another band and by the time I got into the 8th grade we moved back from California to Ohio I joined a band of guys that were about 3 or 4 years older than me and you know playing clubs and things like that mm-hmm. um and I just <clears throat> you know I just um I just poured myself into the music because, you know, I was a little insecure uh as a small guy and also missing a finger on my right hand. I just, you know, I was, I was kind of a little bit withdrawn, but I also loved music and found um kind of that's what my purpose was going to be, music. So, so I, as I progressed in my high school years, I was in different bands, and eventually in the 11th grade I started a band called Glass Harp with two other friends and uh And then within a couple years, we got signed to Decca Records. But that year of 1969, I was pretty much pretty lost, you know, just a teenager, little hippie guy, just looking for some answers. And uh, then a tragedy occurred uh, while I was on tour, and that was my mom was in a car accident, and that accident uh, took her life a week Mm. later. She had internal injuries. And it just kind of devastated me because... She was always there to encourage me. My dad also encouraged me, but my mom was so proactively encouraging musically in my life. Uh, I also had um, a brother who uh, gave me a lot of lessons when I was uh, just a kid, um, a brother Dave. And so, um, so what happened was just losing her kind of like rocked my world in a big way. And my oldest sister, who was an actress in her younger years, you know, in Hollywood and mm. TV and movies. She had an experience with Jesus, and she experienced uh, the Holy Spirit and being born again. And and I was in this really low point, you know, and my mom, uh, with her passing, um, Sister Mary Ellen, she, uh, she took me aside and just so lovingly shared the gospel with me, uh, took me to the Gospel of John. First time I ever saw the conversation you know between uh Jesus and Nicodemus and uh then she took me and my younger sister to to church on the sunday following my mom's funeral and i heard for the first time with my heart the the gospel and it just reached me you mm-hmm. know and it changed me i mean i i i sensed something happen inside of me um i had tried this i had tried that i experimented with drugs uh And I found nothing was satisfying in this life. And all of a sudden, I experienced this amazing peace. And uh, I went home, and I I wanted to listen to music that was about God. And the only thing I could listen to that I had at the time was this Blind Faith album. And, of course, you know, I was a Beatle fan and Moody Blues and all that stuff. Bloom filled and, you know, various blues music and stuff like that. But... Uh, I found this record, you know, that I had, Blind Faith, and there was an Eric Clapton uh, song on there called The Presence of the Lord, and I just listened to that tune over and over again that mm-hmm. afternoon, following my decision, you know, when I gave my heart to the Lord. and uh, I have fo- finally found a place to live in the, in the presence of the Lord, you know. I know I don't have much to give, but I can... Uh, I don't know. Walk through any door. I forgot what the word was, <laughs> you know. Uh, but it just because it said presence of the Lord, and that's what happened in my life. You know, the presence of the Lord came into my life, hmm. and so here's an interesting thing. Uh, my band had done a demo album uh, of nine or nine songs, I think, or so, and uh, and my vocal and my guitar style was of such very green and very amateurish and because meeting Jesus within just a year I had matured quite a lot Mm -hmm. you know and especially in my guitar playing my voice you know took forever to grow up it's still not grown up yet but (laughs) but I did uh there's a, a real change from 1969 to 1970 and also because of the Lord coming into my life I wanted to write songs and share the gospel not just sing about the gospel, but really actively share the gospel at my concerts with the glass harp. So during the breaks or before or after, I would meet people and I would just tell my story yeah. of what happened to me. You know, I was also healed. Uh, I had a physical healing at a healing service, and I just sensed the nearness of God in my life as a youngster. I also began to uh, really appreciate my elderly brothers and sisters, you know, I just, all of a sudden my world opened up and I began to be able to receive love and blessing and teaching and encouragement from, uh, not only my own, uh, uh, age group and peers, but people that were like, you know, elderly at the time, right. w- which I am now. <laughs> and, and so
0: we all get there. Yeah,
2: huh? we do. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 71 this month and, uh, and, uh. But that, but then from that point on, I just my greatest desire was not to be famous, which was one of my small d- dreams. Right. You know, I'm going to be famous maybe someday. You know, as a kid, <laughs> how silly. Uh, but what really brought meaning into my life wasn't musical success. It was knowing Jesus and feeling uh, free and being forgiven and and uh so the word of god and the go- you know the gospel the, the bible itself uh was my constant companion and because of meeting jesus then i i believe that the lord led me to the woman that became my wife you know two and a half years later actually 3 years later after meeting god and uh and we've been married almost uh, 49 years now so um so bernadette and i have been very very close and and that's, our, that's our story. We have a big story also about our kids and stuff. Yeah.
0: Okay, so you're number nine out of ten kids. Is uh-huh. that what you said? Okay, so I grew up Catholic too. Uh-huh. And so you went to Catholic church, right? Uh-huh. Okay. So my experience, Phil, was um, I, I think Catholics, uh, they know the truth. Mm-hmm. It's all in their head. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believed about Jesus. I mm-hmm. believed that He was God in the flesh. I believe He died on the cross for my sins. Mm-hmm. I believe He rose again from the dead. I didn't. I didn't question any of that or argue with any of that. Yeah. But it was just in my head. Right. It wasn't mm-hmm. in my heart, and I was chasing other things. And, mm-hmm. um, would you say that's fairly true of your family? That it was just head mm-hmm. knowledge.
2: Um, well, you know, every, every one of us, ten kids, you know, had a, a very. Uh, uh, unique path for our own lives you know uh i can't really speak for the rest of my siblings but i noticed that uh because of mary ellen's conversion and she became spirit-filled and more evangelical you know what i'm saying Mm. uh and i know that she and my mom had some intense conversations about faith yeah because my mom was a dedicated catholic and, you know, in those old days, you know, uh, you, you know, like if you're not a Catholic, you're maybe not saved. Yeah, you know? you're going to hell. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, uh, but she said, but Jesus is real. You know, he's real to me on a, an everyday basis, you know, and it's not just Sunday morning, you know. It's, yeah. And that's what happened to me. And, and of course, I, I never had the chance to experience and share my faith with my mom. Uh, I know that she prayed for me. In fact, I found some handwritten prayers of hers. Oh, she wow. would, she would write to various priests mm-hmm. that she knew, and even wrote to Father uh, Padre Pio if you ever heard of him, mm-hmm. and, um, and saying, "Please pray for my my son Philip. I think he's got a musical gift." And mm-hmm. and uh, and so I I I I, cher- I treasure those because my mom's heart was always in a great place. She was a best mom. And the most important thing is, like, when I think of her, I think of the fruit of the Spirit. She was loving and joyful and patient and kind. She was gentle and she was, a, you know, she was faithful. Mm-hmm. She was, uh, she She had the fruit of the Spirit in her life, you know. Mm-hmm. So she was closer to God than perhaps than she realized. Right. And um, so I began to experience fellowship with uh, a lot of people my age you know who you know the Holy Spirit was moving across the land you know from the East Coast to the West Coast and uh, and so you know when we went to New York City to do our first album for Decca Glass Harp our producer Jewish guy named Louis Mernstein also produced uh, Van Morrison's big albums you know Moon Dance and uh, Astro Weeks I think it's called and uh, and I couldn't believe that on one of the albums he would he said, yeah, you could put that song on because it's such a pretty song. I just, I'm going to put it on. It's called The Answer. And just real clearly, the answer is Jesus. You don't need to be alone anymore. And uh, so um, I thought the Lord just keeps opening the doors. And um, I just just loved it. You know, everywhere I went, I just wanted to let my light shine if I could. Amen. Yeah, and plus my guitar playing got better. And so there was one time when the band... uh, uh we we drove separately on occasion because (laughs) i wanted to listen to gospel music and you know and uh i i just you know i i like the the private time alone you know so and um uh so i remember i showed up in the band the other guys uh the the car broke down or they had a flat or something so they were late and the promoter says well well, what am i gonna do i said well i have my acoustic I'll, i'll play some acoustic songs and So I, and this was up in Ohio, uh, my home state. And I remember I I got up there and I started singing these songs about Jesus that I had written, Mm -hmm. you know, previously, Uh, like the answer, Heaven is Home, Um, Can You See Me, Uh, Songs in the Air. I forgot which ones they were, but uh, I might have even had What a Day, you know, but at that time. And, And so the audience was like what's this? You know, we came to hear a rock group, you know, Right, right. and, and I'm singing in my light, light voice, you know, and, <laughs> and, and then, uh, the band shows up and then I get my Les Paul on, plug into my two tw- twin reverbs and, and we just start rocking out, you know? Oh, wow. So after we did a set, these two guys came up to me and said, you know, you're that little guy that was up there playing and singing about Jesus. And then all of a sudden you put your Les Paul on and you kind of blew us away That's what they told me anyway And uh I said yeah I love to play You know I have such joy in my life And so Um Well tell us more about this Jesus If you don't mind you Yeah know? I said so I got I got a chance to witness Witness to those guys And And so you know From that point on After I left the band Glass Harp I pursued my own Musical ministry And uh Did my album What a Day And uh then I got asked to play on second chapter of Acts album, and uh, I toured with uh, Love Song, and it was a great, great time. Great time, so I got to uh, meet other Christian musicians and yeah. share the gospel throughout the country.
0: Well, we're talking to the great Phil Keggy, and he's going to play a little bit for us in this Am next I? segment. <laughs> yes, hopefully. So don't go away. We'll be right back.
2: Okay.
1: What we believe about the Bible is based on what we believe about its source. The God Who Speaks, the award-winning documentary from the American Family Association, is now available in a special limited edition DVD set. This release includes a Sunday school curriculum and two hours of additional footage. Go to thegodwhospeaks.org to get your copy today. thegodwhospeaks.org. What does the American Family Association stand for? We believe true morality flows from biblical principles and directs people to the manner in which God intends them to live. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation Thank you for standing with us as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values. Here's some great news. If you miss the deadline to sign up for health insurance, or if, like a lot of people, you just have a plan you're not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called Metashare, it's a Christian healthcare sharing program. There are more than 400,000 members now, and they love it. In fact, Metashare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to that of health insurance. And MediShare really is the gold standard when it comes to healthcare sharing. It's been around more than 25 years. Members have shared more than $4 billion of each other's medical bills. Plus, MediShare is for you. It has saved its members billions by advocating on their behalf. Best of all, the typical savings for a family is around $6,000 a year. So if you think you're stuck with a high-cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, think again. MediShare has a 98% customer satisfaction rating, and you are invited to be part of it. Call now. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE.
0: 833-44-BIBLE. Welcome back to the broadcast. Pastor Jeff Shreve here. I'm talking to the great... Guitar legend Phil Kegge, he has won uh, six or seven-time Grammy Award winner. No, no Grammys. No Grammys? I'm sorry. Oh, Dove Award winner. Okay.
2: (laughs) You know, if you're you're a part of the club, you you get nominated, but if you're not with the record labels, that doesn't exist. Oh, okay. So it's really not a big deal.
0: Well. No. It sounds good.
2: To some people it does, sure. Yeah. Some people don't know what it is. I
0: didn't know what it was, so I thought it was pretty cool. (laughs) But uh, I have known about Phil Kage since I was a young Christian, and uh, my college roommate uh, played guitar and loved uh, to listen to Phil Kage, and he has produced uh, 55 albums in his career. And so, Phil, I was going to ask you, you're a four-year-old... You're messing around with the water pump, is that yeah, what it was the yeah, the
2: well pump yeah, we lived on a farm, and um i i, I went down to the farm to 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 crank some while I was playing. It was a hot day, and I climbed up on the pump, you know, and I, I was i think obviously going to use my left hand to pump the water and then use my right hand to scoop the water when it came out of the faucet, and just i I knelt up on the the whole contraption and the wood was apparently rotted Mm -hmm. by this time and just the extra weight of my little body uh, and the the, the iron pump itself that went down through the shaft and caught my hand you know the spigot caught my hand on the base and so uh so that's what happened I cried out and my dad ran down and rescued me and I remember the ride to the hospital I remember what color shirt he was wearing my sister drove us and um, and your finger is gone. Uh actually, it, it was still just kind of hanging there, you know. Oh gosh! But it was cut completely. Uh, I re- I see it, you know. I can visualize it like it was that, you know, just yesterday. Yeah. It's one of those impressions you never forget. But um, and then uh, they tried to sew it on, but it didn't, you know, take as they say. And um, so I just grew up. That way and I didn't know anybody else missing a finger it was an odd thing as a kid right I felt very self-conscious about it and but then you know one of the things that happened as I got older, especially having met the Lord and uh, it, that didn't matter anymore you know? yeah well how does that affect you as a guitar player I can't play flamingo <laughs> <laughs> But I I get around, you know. You know, it's great that God gave us 10 to begin with, 10 fingers. (laughs) And uh, so, and I have, you know, a little bit of a finger style. I mean, uh, you know, so. And and, uh, I I just love it. You know, I just play the way I play. It's my own style, you know. And I play electric still. I, I do a lot of sessions these days. I don't do that many concerts anymore. Yeah. Uh, kind of wound down from that. And uh, uh, I, uh, in fact, that last, I, I played in Arizona last week for a, a fundraiser for a ministry for high school and in Scottsdale. And um, the concert before that was in Ohio with Randy Stonehill, December 4th. Mm-hmm. And then I don't play out again until May Yeah, uh, with Paul Clark, doing a concert with Paul Clark celebrating his 50 years of musical ministry. Um, but, you know, uh, I do a lot of sessions. I, I produce, you know, I just recently produced um, my niece Sherry Keggy's new album that's coming out really soon, full of great songs and great ministry. Great. hmm And, uh, and uh, so, but I take a, a great deal of joy in, in, you know, just adding my guitar or bass parts, you know, electric. Acoustic, classical—you know, uh, whatever it, it calls for—mandolin mm-hmm. on people's sessions, people's songs, and I especially enjoy it, enjoy it when it's uh, music that really I feel is inspired by the Holy Spirit. You know, I'll, I'll play on anybody's song, really. Uh, well, within reason, of course. Yes. You know. Yes. Yes. But uh, yeah. Um, uh, and guitar. And
0: guitar was something that you picked up pretty quickly.
2: I think so. The first guitar was a Silvertone, and it was a bit difficult to play. But then my brother Dave bought me uh, a a student-size, three-quarter-size electric. And I just took off from there. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I got uh, an acoustic guitar. Um, But I was primarily just an electric guitar player until uh, probably 10th grade or something like that. But through 7th and 8th and 9th grade, I was... I was just primarily an electric guitar player. Then uh, after my experience with Jesus in 1970, um, the acoustic became more important to me, especially in mm-hmm. that time. That's why I started writing more songs acoustic-based, mm-hmm. uh, which is how What A Day, my album What A Day is. And then Your Love Broke Through album, uh, the second album I did, um, is both electric and acoustic. Uh and then I did my first instrumental project in nineteen seventy eight which has electric acoustic classical uh all kinds of uh styles that i that I love doing and uh that was a great experience for me making yep. making that album
0: yeah, can you play us something uh, from that
2: a piece from that Well, yeah. let's see. It's a little out of tune. Sorry. That's all right. That's an Olson guitar. It is. I've been playing Jim's guitar since 1983. Yeah. So Doyle Dykes just got an Olson not too long ago. Yeah. His yeah. very first one. Mark Lanier turned him on to Olson. Yeah. And he came to my house one day, and he said, "Can I can I try your Olson?" Um, He may have tried uh, Mark Lanier's, but uh, he came to my house, and we sat and played. I I played uh, this one, and he played the old 1984 Olsen that I have, Uh that I gave to my son, actually. But uh, he wanted to try it out, and he loved it. We made music together. I think we recorded it, or it was on his phone or something like that. (laughs) And, and, uh, and of course, I love his style of playing. He's got such a great style, a lot of command, a lot of... uh, uh, exuberance and joy and yes you know he's just something else in fact i'm here because of him yeah 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 i don't think i'd ever uh you know i think he'd never leave me alone if i if i would have said no <laughs> i'm not going to drive in all that traffic <laughs> to get here but then you know i uh uh that's a little bit of that one uh, let me sing a little something for you okay
4: Sight to see the redeemed and the angels gathered round the worship worshipping
0: In the morning he is man, that was tremendous
2: well, that was my one of my early songs. I love know. it, yeah, just you know singing about well, what inspired that one was knowing that one day we'll all be reunited, yeah. in heaven you know, okay, basically.
0: now if people told you you sound like Paul McCartney,
2: uh, a few, you know, you know, but he 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 definitely has his own incredible style
0: yeah, um beautiful voice
2: oh really, yeah, oh, my oh my, yeah
0: ah. I love that kind of stuff. Do you? That, well, I love it that it's soft and it you're able. You know, some of the problem I have. I'm not a huge musical guy, but some songs you can't understand the words. I listened to the Super, watched the mm. Super Bowl halftime. Mm. I couldn't understand anything that was said. I know. Yeah. Um, right. Mm. Somebody said, "Where's Bill Gaither?"
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh no, kidding. Oh yeah, yeah. Here's a here's a bit of a tune that I wrote recently with a, a writer, P- Pam Marcall. Hall. She. She uh, sent me the lyrics. I sent her the music, and I said, want to write some words to this. And uh, it's, it's a, see if I can remember some of it. You want to hear a bit? Yeah, it? I'd love to. It, and it was, you know, during this time of COVID and all that. But it really emphasizes the Holy Spirit, the uh, fruit of the Holy Spirit, you know, which I think is cool. So let's see.
4: Be right where you are Wherever your feet go Be right where you are This ground has been hallowed Be present with love Be present with joy Be present with peace Make it so Yesterday's gone Tomorrow is yet to come Right where you are, don't leave the day fallow, be present with patience, be present with goodness, be present with kindness, and make it so. right where you are Even if you find sorrow Be right where you are Soon enough there's a rainbow Be present with faithfulness Be present with gentleness Yes, and don't forget self-control
0: How great. I love that. It's an encouraging little song, yeah. I think, you know. I, I heard a statement once, Phil, it said this, wherever you are, be all there. That's y- good. Yeah. You, you know how sometimes we can be when we're at home we wish we're at work, when we're at work we wish we're at home and we're always thinking about the other place. Yeah. Yeah. Be all there. Especially yeah. for your family, be all there. Yeah. So
2: Yeah, and, and the thing is and, and when you when you hear the Lord speak to us through his word when he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you or I will... I will guide you with my eye upon you, or, um, you know, uh, a man's way is, uh, you know, his way, but, you know, the Lord orders his steps, you know, I think. I also remember that verse that says, uh, it's not within a man to direct his own steps. You know, I think if we yield our hearts and our lives to God, he actually directs us and leads us and accompanies us and assures us that that we're never walking alone. Um, That changes how you live. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well,
0: God just opened doors for you as you sought him. Oh, and, yeah. And yeah.
2: Uh, I had wonderful experiences over the years when I was a young man, got to work with Second Chapter of Acts and uh, love a song and Paul Clark and uh, let's see who else uh, toured with Honey Tree in those days. Um, I worked with, uh, toured with Rust Taft. Brian Duncan, thanks a lot and don't tell your friends you know me. Duncan. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know, and... uh yeah, and then I've got to, you know, work with, you know, uh, on people's albums that were some of my, uh, you know, real heroes and, uh, wonderful, wonderful people. I've made friends, I keep making friends, and I yeah. think that's a beautiful thing. That's great. So
0: how has your, your, uh, guitar playing or your voice changed over the years?
2: Um, it's a little bit more difficult to control the sweet, softer things, you know, uh, you know, I, I've done some recent recordings, and I've done concerts, of course. You know, not as not as many over the the last couple of years, as you know. But there are people that say to me, "Well, oh, Phil, you know, here you are in your 70s, and you still sound a bit like you're, you know, in your 20s and 30s." Uh, on a good day, I, I can. You sound, still,
0: you sound great, Phil, and I appreciate you so much coming in today uh, fought the you. traffic in Nashville to be here with us today.
2: Yeah, I'm glad it worked out, uh, yeah. Jeff. And uh, also, um, I just want to say all to you out there, just keep your eyes on Jesus. Uh, you know, even though we live in such uh, treacherous times and scary times, the Lord is aware of what's going on, and uh, the Lord Jesus is Lord, and uh, I believe He's going to return. Amen. And and that's our hope. He's
0: coming soon, so be the witness God wants you to be. God bless you.
2: I'll try my best. Thank you. Amen.
0: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not
4: necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.